Welcome to the third season of That's So Second Millennium, the Catholic science podcast where we explore the fascinating borderlands between science and theology through realms of philosophy, human experience, and more. Welcome back to That's So Second Millennium. This is episode 110. Bill and I start from the point of departure of our last, well, my my uh, solo episode back in 109, discussing how different parts of society have reacted to the crisis that we're in. Bill asks the provocative question, considering how in a lot of ways what we're doing is unsustainable and irresponsible, say, spending-wise, um, whether there's some a role that the Catholic Church has to play specifically in terms of being a conduit for the wisdom of past ages and providing a counterpoint on a lot of, uh, of the problems that we're facing compared to the secular solutions that we're uh, looking at. And so I talk a lot about, gosh, what uh, I, I perhaps I'm too pessimistic, but uh, at this point in history, at this time of day, as I say in the podcast, it's it's hard to see how the Catholic Church as a whole, as such, is going to be taken seriously in that regard. And really, I, mean, I think the good thing is that we individually have roles to play. And of course, we individually can form whatever alliances we need to with other people in society to try to handle things better, to try to inject that Catholic wisdom, which is just, you know, the best kind of human wisdom. After all, we are all children of one father. It's just a question of whether we see it visibly or not. So that's 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 what we're talking about today. So it's uh, it was an interesting episode, and I hope you enjoy it. So I have Bill. I'm fortunate to have Bill back with me. Bill has uh, has gotten his classes started for the year at Holy Cross, and we are uh, we're, we're we're continuing to uh, stumble our way through what is uh, the COVID year to be followed by COVID year two and hopefully only COVID year two. Hopefully we'll stop the sequels then. Really? But, uh, <laughs> I'm really Gosh. hoping for good things from the vac- vaccines that people are, or, 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 you know, antiviral medication or whatever other solutions people have, um, are working on. Right. Because there's, there's a lot of motivation to work on this. Hopefully, hopefully in the future we'll have people thinking more about infectious diseases again, going forward, because, We've sort of neglected it in favor of, I mean, erectile dysfunction drugs are an easy whipping boy, but, you know, right, drugs, right, drugs right. for profit rather than drugs for, you know, the good of the human race. Let's try to, let's try to pull those back into, into more of a parallel track. Well, you know, that's not too different from the point you were making uh, one or two episodes before that. Where um, you know the uh, one of the disappointments, if not scandals, of uh, scientific knowledge is that um, uh, that there are, it's done largely uh, randomly, without any kind of concentration on the most important stuff, or at least on having a full, comprehensive, complete body of knowledge before we go off onto some sidetrack. Uh, remember, you were, you were, I, I thought that was a very good point about uh, science. Gosh, and, I, mean, uh, and, I don't remember that exact point, but it does, it certainly oh. reminds me of the good, um, 
uh, Hilarberic line. He probably wrote it more than once, but uh, I think in the servile state, he commented about the practical man and how he is marked by his inability to reason back to first causes or forward to final yes. consequences. Right. Um, there's some of that. I mean, because, because we've lost touch with philosophy because we've allowed philosophy to, you know, degenerate and get it so separated from science, um, which is of course insane because science derives from philosophy sciences. Indeed. I mean, it, it grows out of a philosophic, I mean, it grows out of an enormous number of philosophical hypotheses basically about the world. You know, there's, there's no shortage of people who can, who, who put out good commentary on the things that you need to assume whether Ed Fazer is of course, you know, the flavor of the moment because Ed Fazer is just ridiculously listenable and he, he does know what he's doing very well. He is, he is the voice for today who it's, who's maybe the most prominent. I don't know. Actually, I wouldn't know. Um, but he's certainly a prominent voice who makes that case very well. Um, and there are, there are different ways to make it and there are definitely significant disagreements you can have about that. But, but science as we have, it depends on, you know, the ability, the belief that there's an outside world that's significant, that, I don't control with my thoughts. I right. don't reshape it with my thoughts. I interact with it via my senses, which yes. you know, has already put us in the sort of Aristotelian common sense that you know Chesterton describes in his biography of, of Thomas Aquinas so very, very well. That Thomas mm. Aquinas basically just... <laughs> The Chesterton puts it, you know, there's so many voices in, you know, his day of intellectual culture who just, if you just grant them this one impossible thing, they can build you a whole system. Um, right. Thomas Aquinas just wants you to grant him common sense and he'll build his whole system off of that is, is just yeah. his commentary, um, which is, of course, you know, a bit of a stretch. There, there are places in Aristotle and in, and in Aquinas' specific interpretation of Aristotle that are he's asking something significant of you that may not be the right thing. Um, but, but, you know, but it's still, it's, it's more or less, yes, we take in data from the outside world through our senses. Yeah. That's science. We need that for science. We, we right. depend on that for science. It's so bizarre that modern science grew and exploded at the same time as philosophy was, you know, following the post Cartesian path of, well, Maybe I can't prove anything. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's Maybe like there's nothing outside my mind. Right. Or what happened. Right. You. All the different yeah. forms of skepticism and idealism. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, no, <laughs> I, uh, I think that it, uh, as you were saying, um, just as uh, uh, there's that, uh, that tendency toward gaps in knowledge um, in the, in the scientific world, uh, now we're seeing more and more the gaps in knowledge of uh, uh, in, in the uh, uh, world of politics and policy and um, oh and planning for the future. And uh, yeah. it, it, it's it's like the the, uh, the 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 model for government, even the best models for government, uh, as, as a, you know, uh, represented by our constitution uh, primarily. Uh, that the models of government don't really incorporate uh, vehicles uh, or strategies for long-term planning. I, things moved more slowly when ideas of government uh, of the past were forming. And it's almost like we need a whole new model of, of uh, go governance uh, because um, the, the, we have been kicking the can down the road 
for so for so many years on so many unsolved problems. Yeah. And uh, and uh, uh, no wonder we're facing crisis after crisis now. You know, so that's my concern. But yeah, how do you, how do you establish a model for long term planning that's not uh, dictatorial, autocratic? Uh, well, I mean, how do you how do you establish one at all in the society that we have? I mean, how do you? I mean, no matter what, I mean, how could we even establish a dictatorship or an autocracy at this point? Which I mean, that's a good thing. I'm right. I'm in favor right. of looking at the positives. There are a lot of positives about our situation. I think you know, since we have a society that's split so close to down the middle, and and each of those two halves are being pulled more and more by the fringes. You know, there's, I mean, I think there's a great mass of us in the middle who are not real enthusiastic about the leadership on either, or the, the intellectual leadership, the people who are, seem to be defining the conversation right. um, by pushing it more and more to either fringe. Right. Um, you know, but we're just, we're just, we just disengage from politics altogether. And so we're left with, we're left with Joe Biden and whoever is driving Joe Biden on the one hand and then Donald Trump. On the other, <laughs> and, and Donald Trump does a wonderful job of driving Donald Trump. Driving, honestly, yeah. I mean, and and he's and people are manipulating him as well. I mean, that's inevitable. Oh yes, it happens oh, yeah. to everyone. It happens to everyone. I mean, Pope John Paul II was being manipulated by people to some extent. I mean, that's just the sad truth of human human existence. And Pope Benedict seems to have realized that about his papacy as well. That right. things are out of his control. And, and Francis. I mean, and as Francis, as much yeah. as I love, you know, I am not a downer on Pope Francis. I think Me he's neither. got he's facing a difficult situation, and like everyone, he doesn't have every virtue for every occasion. You know, that doesn't right. describe any of it's us. That doesn't describe point. any pope. That doesn't describe Gregory the Great. That doesn't describe Leo. That doesn't describe any of the Leos. Um, right. I guess there've been a lot of them, uh, haven't there? But there uh, been, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I mean, it's 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 still um, yeah. But people are certainly you know like I of course the 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 easy example is that uh, atheist magazine editor who you know hauls him in and then probably misquotes him with a on a regular basis about, you know, he does, he says there's no such thing as hell or some, you know. Oh, that's right. Like that. You're the guy who takes no notes during the interviews. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's yes, always, that's, that's always great. That's true. He, he's proud right. that he doesn't uh, uh, take notes. Oh, there you go. That's, that's yeah. it. <sighs> I shouldn't. I shouldn't be a. I shouldn't stereotype, but that does sound very Italian, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm going to interview the Pope and not take any notes and be proud of this fact. <laughs> if the Pope granted me an audience to to interview him, I would take notes and I would yeah. show them to him afterward. And if he wanted me to show them to one of his secretaries, who's you know a little more facile in English, I would do that too. Yes, that would be. Exactly what I would do. That would be, I mean, and I would do that with people I disagreed with. I would do that with the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, or I'm sorry, sure, I'm probably butchering sure. that term, but um, yeah, ugh, anyway, yeah, so. Um, yeah. <laughs> you had, Bill, you had all these interesting topics, and I'm, I'm afraid we're not, uh, we're not, we're not squarely getting ourselves uh, planted, planted on them. You wanted me to go through, so I'll try to reiterate from my notes, which I know my notes didn't, uh, make it you know that they don't necessarily proportionally represent the amount of time i spent on each point but you know so i started with a comment on you know preparedness and what are you know the impossibility of being prepared for all circumstances and then i talked right. about you know right. the effect of the crisis that we're in on education and how education and the bureaucratic establishment responds to crises in somewhat less than optimal ways 
Um, I talked about the finance industry somewhat. And then I talked about my, my own situation as a job seeker and, you know, the difficulty that human beings have thinking statistically, you know, being prepared for things to not work every time and that, and it being worth taking actions that have a less than 50% success rate, just doing them over and over again until you've hit. Yeah. I think Um, that's another fascinating insight that you've had about science there that uh, deserves more conversation. Yeah. Uh, Go on. So yes. I was going to say, but those are the, those are the points that I had in my notes. And so there were, you had, you had a wealth of points you wanted to, to riff off of, of there. Well, that that's what led me to my my initial musing about the need for some kind of uh, governance that uh, that does enable us to uh, look further ahead, or does it, enc- it it encourages that? I guess yeah. now that I think about it, government might not have really been intended, at least at that time, to be a long term planning uh, institution because um, uh, families. Uh, and um, communities, um, you know, where where there was that sense of ongoing, uh, you know, just the uh, uh, per generation uh, procreation, uh, just uh, uh, ongoing systems uh, in everyday life. It was it was taken for granted that that would be sufficient for uh, long term sustainability and and planning. Uh, I think so, that was particularly <laughs> Jefferson's point of view, as as yeah. I understand it. That the you know a nation of yeoman farmers, and that's a, <laughs> I get that. That's an attractive, um, yeah, that's an attractive social model. And I think right. uh, Chesterton and Belloc would be you know equally enthusiastic about it. Um, were equally enthusiastic about that as a you know a nation full of people who basically look out for themselves, you know, take their own economic responsibility, and you know by virtue of that you know, can construct a working political system. And yeah, like you say, it, it would the political system itself needs to make fewer decisions, many fewer decisions in that paradigm. Right, right. And, uh, and we've, we've proven over the, uh, the past uh, decade or two, especially, but over, the, uh, over a much longer term, that when we try to do um, uh, things that are right for the long term uh, in, in government, um, it's it's almost uh, impossible uh, to get any consensus on even the short term, much less long term, and um, and it's that's foolish for us to entrust government with that. But the problems are so vast now, uh, the challenges are, are so vast that we definitely need to have some kind of of a structure. Um, that would be one. That would be one topic that we could discuss. But let me throw in the other one while I'm thinking about it. And that was um, again thinking of, of the, um, the the middle to long term after this COVID crisis. Um, I actually am fearful that um, uh, the crisis uh, of this year uh, and next year, as you mentioned, um, is likely to be followed by you know ongoing crises uh, because of all that we're seeing, all that COVID is uncovering uh, in terms of uh, uh, income disparities, uh, our inability of our uh, monetary systems to uh, to pay for all of the debts that are in society uh, now. Uh, it's it, it truly is unsustainable and we've put a pretty band-aid on, on it all. Um, 
and it's all based on compromise and practicality and utilitarianism rather than, as you said, the love of philosophy, the love of science, and the love of uh, faith, hope, and charity. And that was a big point about hope uh, that you also made in, that, in the last discussion. So um, given all that, the, the, the other question I was going to pose was if, if, uh, if my fears are correct and that there's going to be a long-term period now of uh, you know, uh, solving some problems in a more substantive way or else they truly are going to just get the better of us, uh, it would seem to be a moment when the Catholic Church could, and faith in, uh, people of faith in general, uh, it, it, would, it would seem to be a moment when we could have some evangelizing influence that would go above and beyond, you know, um, uh, street corner evangelization and catechesis and uh, apologetics as parishes and dioceses uh, express them. All of those things are very good. But it's almost like the Catholic Church with its 2,000 years of knowledge and, and wisdom um, was built for times such as this because only the Catholic Church has that sense of global uh, needs and supplies and demands and, and uh, virtues and sins and, and all of that. And so uh, if people would listen to us, that's a, that's a big assumption nowadays if, if in a secular oh, yeah. society, right? How can we, how can the Catholic Church prepare to, to, to play a role in, um, in the problem solving that has to come uh, now and uh, post COVID, that that was my, that was the one big question that that came out of my out of your discussion about crises and and all. Um, I was yeah. just looking for more crises to talk about. So right, the crises are yeah, it's <laughs> so, wonderful. Bring up the crisis of the church. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, so that's you know for the for the Catholic Church to provide some sort of counterpoint for people to hang on to and actually implement that is an extremely tall order at this time of day. Um, yes. <laughs> I mean, honestly, gosh, uh, it's such a, it's such a sticky, sticky, uh, question. I mean, there's so much, you know, so the, the sex abuse scandal in particular, obviously that hangs over the church to some extent, right. like, you know, and, and what extent I don't know. I think about it a lot. I find it, Yeah, I I I find that the people seem a little too ready to congratulate themselves and say, you know, there are people within the church who say, well, well, we're doing the best possible thing to fix it, and you know, we're we're now a leader in this regard. And I'm like, that to me, that sounds like cheap grace. To me, that sounds uh -huh. too cheap. Um, that this is something that you know it it played out over decades. Um, and it was, it's part of a larger sort of, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that if you look at it, you know, like then there's a larger layer of the onion, there's a larger layer of the onion, then there's a larger layer of the onion outside that. And it's really, it's the story of the entire, you know, post-Constantine history of the church, right? The church as a, a social institution, the church as part of the political establishment and just the hypocrisy that accompanied that over yes. centuries and centuries 
And, you know, I mentioned before we started recording that I started listening to the Brothers Karamazov and, you know, so the the commentary there in the early going, because I've only listened to about three hours of it and it's, you know, a 30 hour recording. Well, I think I'm listening to it at, I'm pretty sure I'm listening to it at faster than, you know, nominal speed, but so I think that's the only way somebody can do it. Yes. I think, I think my uh, audible player allows me to play it like 1.3 times normal speed. So that's, that seems like a good, I, I understand it perfectly well at that rate um it, it's the modern equivalent of the evelyn wood speed reading course that we were oh, offered you as younger folks yeah i don't uh-huh. know if yeah i don't remember that but yeah no uh, no back in college uh, that was a very hot uh, product uh, okay. to sell to college students okay. to, uh, to to read a two or three times your normal, your normal rate ordinary rate okay okay yeah yeah so now, but we, so, can, now yeah. we can just play audible at a loud, at a faster speed right right i mean yeah. i i kind of wait for the catholic church so so with the pope i mean for someone to speak for the entire roman catholic church it would actually have to be the pope and i'm i'm certainly someone who believes that the pope needs not try to do everything that you know the post vatican one model of the of the pope trying to do everything is not really workable it's one of those things like you know there's a spirit of Vatican II, quote, in quotation marks, spirit of Vatican II. There might also be a in quotation marks, spirit of Vatican I, that, you know, basically everything should go through the Pope and the Pope needs to, you know, run everything. And that's not possible. Uh, that's simply right. not possible. Um, that paradigm yeah. can't work. You know, the, yeah, so that's, that's another discussion. But, but there is, and, and John Paul II did, I mean, like, so the Galileo piece in particular, and I think other pieces of this have happened, but there are there are things that I think it would be fitting and reasonable for a Pope to stand up and say, we repudiate this way of doing things that we did in the second millennium for the most part. Very good. There are, there are things. um, I mean, I am not one of those people who's like, Oh, the crusades are completely, you know, terrible. And like, there are reasons. And then the people who engaged in them did terrible, stupid, hideous things nominally in the name of Christ that, you know, that were in fact completely hypocritical and ridiculous and above them, you know, top of the list practically would have to be the sack of Constantinople. I mean that, Mm. you know, I think, I think a Pope should get up every 10 years and formally denounce that again. I mean, that Mm. just, that just needs to be, we need, we as Catholics need to have that in our public consciousness that like, yes, that was done in our name and, you know, we can't accept, we can't accept personal guilt for it. I mean, that's, that's impossible. And that of course talks to a lot of political things in our country right now that are much more popularly talked about than this, but that needs to be part of our consciousness. This happened. It should never happen again. It must never happen again. Um, you know, the whole, and then the whole, you know, the hypocrisy of the clergy throughout the entire, you know, middle ages and Renaissance that led to, you know, that, that allowed the Reformation and it's frankly theologically unworkable tenets to, to gain traction because it was a way of sticking the finger in the eye of the, you know, of the wealthy rapacious, you know, clergy of the time. I mean, that's yeah. not all that there was going on, but we have to realize that was going, you know, we have to accept, yes, that was going on to a considerable extent. You know, there's, you, we don't, there are people who will whitewash the middle ages and then, of course, there are even more people, certainly in the English-speaking world, who you know will tell a black legend about the Middle Ages. Right. The reality is in the middle. Reality is in the middle. Duh. The golden mean. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the reality is in the middle, and we should denounce right. the negative parts of that. 
I mean, the, you know, it's a pope should probably, I mean, in my you know opinion, I think it's possible that a pope should get up and say, you know what, I am bloody glad I don't have to administer the papal states. I am sorry that we forced God to force events on us rather than relinquishing them voluntarily because it was a stupid idea. Yeah. It was a handicap. It was a temptation toward awful excesses. I'm glad they're gone. It, yeah. should, it should never have been more than that maybe a temporary situation to deal with the, you know, the vicissitudes of the early Middle Ages. But aren't you asking uh, for a kind of insight um, that wouldn't have been possible for popes back then? In other words, uh, I don't know if it was possible or not. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. All I know is that uh, people made very little distinction between uh, things uh, secular and things religious, uh, things political, things governmental and things church back then. So it would have it would have been like thinking unnaturally for them to. It was, to say, yeah. Yes. yeah. Perhaps that's true. Yeah, I mean, and that would that would be a fitting thing to recognize as well. But you know, now in the early at the beginning of yeah. the third oh, millennium, we, looking right. back, okay, these seem to be important lessons that we should draw, and we repudiate these things. You know, going forward, this is not how the Latin Church will conduct itself. We do have to make certain things like that very clear to people because I think yeah, that would are, be yeah. I That's think that would point. be a good start. And then yeah. at that point, we will, and then at that point from that foundation say, and looking at this broad sweep of history, <laughs> driving yourself this far into debt, you know, for these reasons, under these circumstances, you know, de- de- deploying these financial, you know, wiles and gimmicks um, is, is not going to turn out well. And, yes. you know, so, and then what, what should we as Catholics do about it? Well, I mean, right. part of it is, is that more of us need to, more of us need to become engaged in the political process in certain ways, you know, and, right. and to do our part as Catholics toward trying to drag our political system back towards something, something functional. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It, it, and that does begin at the local level in terms of, uh, uh, more people running for local government so that they finally get more experience uh, to be truly responsible at the national level to have the potential to be states statesmen and stateswomen. Uh, right now, it seems as though not many people have been well prepared for, you know, super responsible government. No, uh, no, which is why we're getting amateurs. Well, I mean, you know, yeah. it's like Donald Trump. But yeah, so I mean, what's, what should we do? I mean, what is a practical matter should we do? And of course, I'm looking at myself like, you know, first things first, I do need to be in a better situation with regard to, you know, the stability of where I live, the stability of my source of income before I worry about my political involvement. And that's true for anybody. That's um, true. That's right. But, you know, so, so I look at myself and like, okay. And if not me, then someone else who is more suited. And it's not everybody by any stretch. You know, what, that's, that's, a, that's a, maybe an interesting and understated question itself. Aside from running for office, what should we do at the local level? What should we do yeah. as members of the Knights of Columbus? What should we do as members of our individual yeah. parishes? You know, that's relevant to the political situation, but not involve us running for office. That's, you know, that's a question I don't have 
you know, I also I myself don't have great answers to. But, you know, you look at the two major parties and of course, okay, so what does the Democratic Party need? Well, the Democratic Party needs people to invade it from the inside. Hey, we're Catholic. We were traditionally Democrats, right? I mean, people, we've practically yeah. the point that people have forgotten that. I don't think that's, that's, a, that, that's maybe too tenuous a link anymore. But we need people to subvert the party of subversion. we need we need people to invade the democratic party and bring them to a place of sanity about if you care about the poor telling them to kill their own children is not kosher yeah really i mean to 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 allow that to be because i mean that's that's where the fringe has dragged the democratic party is that abortion is a sacrament i mean it looks more and more true with every passing year yeah I mean, when I first heard that, I thought maybe that's a little extreme. I don't, I don't even think it's extreme anymore. I think it's the yeah. truth. I think it's basically the truth that there is a swath at the, you know, intellectual helm, at the media helm of the Democratic Party that's really pretty, pretty much there, pretty much there. Well, in terms um, of uh, legislation for, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, up to the moment of birth. Uh, up to, yeah. yeah, and uh, then uh, and this birth thing, we'll start redefining that too. Yeah, start, exactly. Start putting extra buffer zones on that, and God knows where it would ever stop. I mean, we yeah. don't know. Something will happen. Something will happen. Of course, I've been reading. I've been reading my Vulgate from cover to cover. You're not supposed to do that, but um. So I've been plowing <laughs> through. I've I've been plowing through the Vulgate one chapter at a time for a very long time, and I have been working my way through. I'm actually into the Book of Baruch, which means I have just traversed Isaiah, and Jeremiah, uh-huh. and the wow. Lamentations at Good the end of Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Yeah. So I'm just like, you yeah. know, I'm very much in a place of what is God going to do to us? What is God yeah. going to do to the West for countenancing yeah. this crap? What is God going to do to China for that matter for countenancing this? Indeed. Um, uh-huh. What have they already done? Well, what? Yeah. Okay. But then on the other side, of course, you know, we, we also need people to subvert the Republican party as well. I mean, in different ways. Oh yes. I oh mean, yes. That's, yeah. you know, so pick which side and, you know, because there, are, I mean, the the thing about it is, is that yes, at this time of day, it's not. None of them are individually as dire as abortion. They just aren't. I mean, I just, you know, they just aren't. They just aren't. And you may have, you may have, however much distaste for you know the wealthy influence of the Republican Party, which is mostly bygone because the wealthy people are mostly Democrats now. In case you hadn't noticed. The people, yeah. you know, the people at the helm of the economy are in the Democratic Party now, in case you hadn't noticed. Um, That's right. The people in charge of all the large, you know, corporations that are, you know, defining how we live our lives are pretty much Democratic Party operatives at this point. Yeah. Um, so what is the Republican Party has become the party of, you know, the people, you know, white rednecks, right? I mean, which there are a lot of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There are a lot of us out there. And I certainly, that's, that's my dem. That's my demographic. That's where I come from. Um, Right. Yeah. You know, it's redneck. Yeah. I mean, redneck is kind of a pejorative term, but you know, it's yeah. My father literally has a redneck because, Hey, he works on a farm. He drives a tractor in the summertime. He has a redneck. That's how it works. Yes. Um, Yes. It was a real thing. It is a real thing. It is a real thing. It continues to be a real thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just, that's, so that's, that's, you know, the democratic party has abandoned those people completely. And so the Republican party has picked them up and the wealthy have abandoned the Republican party. So, you know, I mean, the democratic party is gratefully to what degree they actually were suiting them or courting them. I don't know. So, I mean, it makes for an interesting set of 
I mean, it's it's more internal hypocrisy for the Democratic Party. For you know, they're also the people who scream about the rich, and yet now they are the party of the rich. Yeah, so, it's full of uh, contradictions. Uh-huh. Yeah, but that's that's politics for you. So. Yeah, but but the real problem is that uh, there are so many contradictions now that people have almost stopped even trying to uh, talk in terms of cohesive reasoning where one fact follows from another and, um, you know, every every word can be understood uh, for its traditional uh, meaning and uh, we're supposed to... uh, you know that was truth last week. Uh, so right. this is this week. We get we get too comfortable thinking in those terms now. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, that that really leads to a complete uh, inability to not only face the long term future but to face the present moment. Yeah. It's really scary. Yeah, it's um, and to the uh, you know the thing I love to champion is uh, what we need is just to be able to sit down with each other in an inclusive way. And, yeah. Exactly. Talk about these things, and if you don't have the common uh, vocabulary and the common sense of uh, you know what's true and uh, you know what would make sense, yeah, like you said, we've lost philosophy. Yeah. So now we're reliant on science, but people forget that the scientific method is also based on truth being um, uh, gradually built up. Right, and that, that there's a there's well, it gradually a revealed for sure. Gra- gradually revealed, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's uh, you know there's consensus and peer review and yeah, gradually uh, revealed, and, and we make false starts, and we have to we have to double back sometimes. We build, we start to build castles, and we find out the foundation under them really doesn't work, so we have to dig them out and you know rebuild yeah. them. We can take a lot of the pieces and rebuild them into a new structure, but yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's like what do we? Because of course. You know your your point about um, being able to dialogue with each other. You know, so if if you subvert both Democratic and the Republican parties, you know, according to my you know prescriptions here, you know, right. you would have you would have people who'd be a little less at loggerheads with each other because we you know we'd recognize our common ground of we care about the poor, we recognize yeah. that free enterprise is you know necessary for a functioning society. We realize that command economies are not you know so the things that we sort of at the moment the good things we see in the republican party and the good things that are they're there in the democratic party um the good attitudes there you know caring about people who feel left out you know that is even though we've taken that and gone to insane places with it it's still true i mean it's not like that isn't you know i mean we've we've gotten to the point where we have the attitudes and we have the political movements that we have regarding homosexuality because homosexuals were treated so insanely bad for yeah. decades and centuries and millennia yes. really. Um, it's, you know, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, that's, I'm not surprised. It doesn't, that yeah. doesn't mean that it's going to work out well, but I'm not surprised. I get it. I get right. the motivation. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that, that trying to speak and, and yeah, and the whole, you know, question of, yeah, people are still treated shittily for being black in this country. Yes. As a matter of fact, that's mm-hmm. true. And for that, yeah. I mean, for that matter, they're treated shittily for being Hispanic. So Indeed. it is, yeah, yeah. Um, that is, that well, is absolutely true. Yes. Yeah. Maybe the common ground there is, uh, while not losing an awareness of 
how particular groups um, are, um, are are treated badly. Um, uh, can can we also still hold up some respect for the line "All Lives Matter"? Only because uh, that's what's going to give us common ground for fighting all of these yeah. injustices against groups. Uh, it, it has to be a both and, and maybe that's one of the things that the Catholic Church and its two thousand years of wisdom can bring to the conversation. Well, I mean, I, I think you know, and it's of course it's not for the most part it's not the church as an institution; it's us individual Catholics, and I think there are a lot of individual Catholics who have for decades and are continuing to try to make that point that yeah it is i mean why is racism bad it's because human beings have you know equal dignity equal dignity it doesn't mean that you know it doesn't mean we should turn we should turn the scales around and you know and now treat white males as you know should be enslaved or you know made into chattel or treated you know some other you know some other way um you know how you would how you would implement that you know i don't know whether whether politics could finally drift in that direction to where that would happen i don't know i suppose i could live long enough to see and if i do then you know that's the that's the cross that god's asked me to bear and it'll be all right but yeah that's uh that's so it, but it still seems unlikely so it's like what are we actually going to do what 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 is our actual i mean it's like it's, it goes back to bellock what are we actually, I think, I think our well, politics yeah, is defined yeah, by people thrashing around and trying to do something that sounds good without really thinking through the consequences. Yes. Yeah. But partly because they don't, they're not brought up with the long-term perspective on things. Well, we take maybe, it, maybe it ever was so, I don't know. To some degree, but I think we take, I think we take for granted a lot in terms of social capital, the people are going to behave, you know, in such a way that they're going to continue to, you know, provide wealth to one another. They're going to provide each other things that they need and want, you know, yeah. things, things that they need in such lavish overabundance that they can afford to spend time on things that they want in lavish overabundance. Right, um, right. And that, yeah, I mean, and I think we're running through that capital. I you think. are right. Yeah, we're I, I we're going to cut. We're going to get brought up short there, and that's going to be, you know, that's going to be a larger and more pervasive crisis than the debt crisis. Which I mean, it's hard to believe that there isn't going to be some kind of sovereign debt crisis. And what is the world economy going to look like if the United States starts defaulting on its payments? Right. Um, right. you know, that's 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 a spe- a more specific thing for people to hang their hats on and say, Ooh, we should avoid that. Although obviously no one's worried too much about that right now. Apparently who's actually making decisions. <laughs> that's right. But I but, think it pales uh, in comparison to the other. A kind of just a moral, uh, a, a moral bankruptcy in, in, in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's I mean, the, the sense that, yeah, the, the, we just, I mean, and, and then ultimately it's a crisis of confidence. I mean, we have, the thing about it is, is that the, every human being has a savior. They have access to grace um, I mean, I don't think you can, you know, even people, yeah, that's, that's can't, can't bring this up, but can't open this can of worms all the way at this point, but you know, mm-hmm. there is a God, he loves every human being that's dogma. Therefore there must be some access to grace for every human being. Um, even if it's not the same as, you know, for people who aren't baptized, that's, that's another, that's the, that's the can of worms. I don't want to open all the way, but right. you know, but that's, you know, that we lose our confidence that we can deal with the world as it actually is. Whereas we, we have what we need to deal with the world as it actually is. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, 
it's, it's a question of what our expectations are as much as anything. That's right. That's right. Yeah, people now, because our experiences and our information sphere is global and uh, encompasses the past, present, and future, uh, we're, in, we're expecting ourselves to have all of the answers to all of the questions um, and, uh, and uh, to be able to enforce them. And we have answers to all the questions. The great bureaucratic yeah. mindset. <laughs> exactly. That's correct, right? Yeah. And uh, it was also part of that spoof of uh, science, uh, uh, the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Universe, right? Didn't uh, the fellow yeah. want, uh, he wanted the single answer and it was 42. It was 42, yeah. yeah. I, I, I've heard that. It's one of the Hitchhiker's Guide to Galaxy is, is one of those books that you don't in any way, shape, or form have to have read the book in order to hear a lot of details from the book. Right. I hear there's also a ravenous bug bladder beast of Troll or something in that book as well. Oh, I, I don't really yeah, know no, how he fits I, into I, the plot. After after I listened to my audible version of Brothers Karamazov, I'm going to listen to my audible version of Hitchhiker's Guide. Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, it's no, another one of those, so. like we were talking about, Bill. I'm, it's, I think it's just below the horizon. I just don't think, I'm not sure I can make myself spend the time to actually well, read. I don't blame you. I'm, I'm joking I'm about sure. it myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I, uh, there is. We realize how uninformed we are relative to the amount of information no there is out there, and I think it frustrates us. It I does. think it makes it, it gives us that sense of um, lack of self confidence that you were mentioning, and so everybody's kind of just going. The pendulum is going to the opposite direction, where uh, you know we're, we're panicking, and and we're we're, we're just uh, you know out of our minds with the rage and fear and. And it yeah. turns into fear of everybody. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, there's nothing to bring us together unless uh, something like the Catholic value. You know, so I'm mean, not speaking of the Catholic, everybody has to join the Catholic church by any means, but just something. Uh, oh, I mean, I am ultimately because there is that. Teaching? Yeah. But, but, I mean, well, that would be the, that's, that, that is our goal. I mean, the, if, if you don't believe that's the goal, self, then you're yeah, really not yeah. Catholic. I mean, that's, you know, we're yeah, going to live with the to. world. We're going to live in the world with the people making the decisions that they make. But if you ask me what I sincerely in my heart of hearts want, yes, I want you to be Catholic. I do. Yeah. Because I believe that's where the most good is. For you right. specifically. That's and if I didn't believe that, then I'm not Catholic. Right. And and people, ha we, like you said, we have to do some reparative work on our image first, or the understanding of of what we're about when people hear that i like that the understanding of what we're about yeah yeah, yeah more so than yeah. image is one of those dangerous words like we want to project something false oh, Lord, so that we can gain yeah, because now everything is image and it's in, in the most inauthentic sense yeah uh no you're right so yeah drop the image part but people people don't understand that um our our goal for people to be part of the catholic church is not some kind of autocratic wish toward uh, dictatorship uh, uh, and power. It, right. It's properly right. understood as uh, you know, just um, a, a, you know, a love of a love of humankind and realizing that that ultimately has to come from Christ. Right. That for yeah. any individual being, any individual human being to become, as Matthew Kelly would say, the best version of themselves. Ah, yes, he loves that term. Yes, is that? Yes. Yeah, that's what it. That's, yeah. that's part of it. And you know, yeah, that that's probably uh, yeah, to the degree that uh, he's a wonderful marketer for the Catholic faith, and I speak, uh, I, I use that term uh, respectfully. 
Um, that probably should also be part of the answer to my question. What can the Catholic Church do? No. Uh, you know, to be involved and helpful and evangelizing in the best sense in the, in the, with the crises ahead. Um, so we have to realize that, that, that people have to realize that we're, we're in this for everybody's good. Yeah. A common good is, is the, the essence, uh, a greater good, a common good. Yeah. Is, is yeah. the essence of our faith really. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. all encompassing love and, and hope, uh, which you, you pointed out in, in the last episode, uh, if you don't have hope, you don't have uh, any uh, any desire to um, to move on, to move you uh, don't, forward. You don't take any action because you believe it's hopeless. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So if we can just help, if we can help establish a groundwork in which people uh, are are willing and able to do the hard work of taking on some of these big issues, uh, that yeah. that's a huge piece of progress. Yeah. Yeah, and, and take our own part in rebuilding different parts of civil society, which again is a, a can of worms we can't open all the way here. But to, to finally, like, because I finally thought of it in response to what should we do about our, you know, well, I mean, the, the things that we can do aside from run for office include, you know, rebuilding other parts of society, you know, all parts yeah. of society, including, you know, there needs to be a movement of people, I think, within the Catholic Church and other people of goodwill, people who see things sufficiently common to us and we don't have to be in charge of it in fact maybe it'd be better if we weren't in charge of right. it right. um but you know to have an alternative to the media conglomerates the the, yes. the tech conglomerates that govern so much of our lives now yeah and that are so ideologically you know puritanically leftist at this point yeah yeah and uh you know just everything being a, a giant everything um uh, you know, uh, everything leaning toward oligopoly and two or three major companies in each field. Um, a subsidiarity uh, uh, in the Catholic social teaching would argue powerfully uh, against that. Everything has yeah. to be local unless it absolutely yeah. can't be handled. Yeah, there's, uh, yeah, there's a role for cooperation level. in the economy that we really have not come to really realize in any yeah, there's there's a long way to go in terms of yeah. You know, so how should we make cars? And what would subsidiarity say about that? I think subsidiarity would say that we should have a large, I mean, standards come into place. There should be a community of people, like you know, so there are people building every individual component, and then people assembling them, and there'd probably be multiple tiers of assembly as you make, right. you know an engine from all the component parts of an engine and then you'd be able to make a car from an engine and a transmission and so forth. I mean, I think that economy would have, you know, standards so that people could sell an engine on an open market and, you know, several, uh, several assemblers could, you know, do that, you know, could use those different components, which I mean is what people do on their own. Like I could get on Jeep forum and that's have, have someone tell me how to, you know, so show me six ways to Sunday to put a Chevrolet engine and a Ford transmission and maybe some Ford axles and, you know, some other component um, into a Jeep Wrangler and, you know, mm -hmm. make something, something better, something, a, a superior mixture for some purpose that I have for myself. Um, yeah. And that, and that's, you know, then in itself, and then your, your eggs are not all in one basket. I mean, I think that's a major, right. I don't know that people think about that when they think of subsidiarity, but it, it, 
stabilizes things because people making bad decisions at the helm of one or another of those companies brings down a much smaller proportion of the economy. That's right. Right. Yeah. That's, that's brilliant. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We need to, uh, we need to think smaller and, uh, and uh, more sustainably. Um, uh, and, and to some degree that acquires cooperation, I think, like I say, yeah, there has to be some, yeah. some willingness to say, okay, this is, this is how we're all going to make, you know, in, in that very, you know, concrete sense, we're going to all make our flywheels this way or what is whatever it is, the bell housing for the transmission is going to made up to the engine. There's going to be this common set of two or three different ways to do that so that people manufacture it to those standards and then they can interchange, which is, I mean, that happens in a lot of industries that happens in a lot of, that happens in software for that matter. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah not, this is, not initially, right? Uh, this is a yeah, huge topic that we should probably spend. We could spend another a podcast episode or six on, probably. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's 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 plan to do that. But I guess we probably have to. Um, I think this is twenty minutes start. after I said I should hang it up, and ten minutes after you said that you should. So maybe we should, in fact, well, hang it up now, and been, I should have a little dealing, bit of supper. Uh, we've only been dealing with some of the biggest issues, like the future of the world. Oh yeah, so, the entire the yeah. entire world economy and culture and yeah. political system. Yeah, 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 like yeah. So maybe we didn't solve all the problems and. Yeah, this period. All right. Well, we'll we'll meet again. We shall meet we'll, again. We shall meet again. Yeah, we have a, yes. we have a track record. This is episode one hundred and ten yes. of that. So second See, that millennium. Isn't that, yeah. Talk about. I think if, if consistency is a virtue, which I think it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At least uh, you know a good kind of consistency. Uh, we 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 have um, we have been blessed with the ability to to uh, fulfill that goal. That's right. That's right. All right. So yeah, I really will yeah. sign off now, Bill. All right. And. Uh, yeah, it's always good to talk to you. I, uh, Likewise, I, I yeah. You. And more, more, more soon. And all the best in all of your efforts as we both try to pursue uh, positions and uh, uh, life uh, styles that, uh, that do what we, what we realize needs to be done. Yeah. Some, of, some uh, of the long-term improvements. Yeah, that's right. Thanks for listening to this episode of That's So Second Millennium. TSSM's audio producer is Morgan Burkhardt. Our theme music, Igneous Grok, was composed and performed by Vin Marquardt. For my co-host Bill Schmidt, I'm Paul Geesting. Until next time.